All right, we got another episode of The Broom Boys, and this one is exciting, not because we're going to be going too far into um, a character bi- character bio, wow, um, but we're going to be going into some really cool news. Um, so uh, with that said, I'm, I'm Guy, and I'm going to let Buddy take you right into this. Buddy? Okay, so... Last episode, we uh, had discussed the rumor that came out that said that the Obi-Wan Kenobi show was being canceled, and that rumor was debunked to a certain extent, but now we've gotten the news that uh, apparently production of the show is being delayed because of maybe script reworking or various other reasons, but the show apparently is still going on. Ian McGregor has said so himself. He came out and said, look, it's happening, but they're they're just working out some kinks. But the release date apparently is not being moved at this point. So Right, which is good like news. Yeah, it sounds like they're just maybe taking some more time to uh to get it right. And especially with the high bar set by the Mandalorian. I mean that's a bar they at least want to be able to clear if not exceed. Yeah, you don't you don't want to mess with that. But I do want to I not to get stuck on this because we have more important news but um i do have a little bit as i was going through and after i had read this all um i can't kind of had this foreboding kind of like i don't like this feeling to it um and then i saw an article and i thought at first you know really harsh um harshly judged of um carolyn kennedy um or kathleen kennedy wow (laughs) um but kathleen kennedy um with the whole handling of it and how many times have we had a rework with script do you you know Um, total well let's see not Um, just with obi but like well no i'm trying to i'm trying to think because yeah i mean Solo was probably the most public, complete reworking and, in fact, almost reshooting of the whole movie. Um, I think I heard Last Jedi had some of that. Rise of Skywalker definitely had some of that with Colin Trevorrow um, being the original director. He he left. And, and then uh, the Duel of Fate script. With, him, with the Duel of the Fate script, which that all that stuff leaked out online. Um, with concept art and the script itself came out online. Um, completely different movie than the one we got. I don't know if it would have been a better movie. Um, but yeah, um, some neat concept art though. I'll tell you that, um, you know, like Ray wielding a dual bladed lightsaber, like blue dual bladed lightsaber. I thought that was really cool looking. Um, apparently his script had the return in ghost force ghost form, I think of Anakin and Vader. Although potentially, I think there was a rumor going around in on a script page that Vader somehow came back physically, maybe in like a, a force cave type situation, like the one on Dagobah. Yeah, I did read that. And, and they also had Luke come back. Like he was straight up haunting Ben. See, now I think that would have been cool. Because, I mean, the last thing he says in The Last Jedi before he dies is see you around, kid. And then he never interacts with Ben again, as far as we know. Um, 
Yeah. So and... yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't want to say that that's a loose plot point, but it's definitely like you got the feeling from that line that oh, we're gonna see Luke talking to talking to Kylo Ren again at some point. And then yeah, never. And then obviously never happened. rework. And then, well, I don't even know if reworks the right, right, right. Like new movie, complete new movie. So yeah, I mean, we're looking at a minimum of four major Star Wars projects that have been reworked to some extent now. Um, and this is now, yeah, it's like, so at some point I'm like, the buck has to stop somewhere. And don't get me wrong, she's had an amazing run when you look at what her name has credits to. Um, but there's something going on with the inner workings between Lucas Films and Disney and Feige and Marvel and the whole overall story arc. Because, I mean, th- that's the other hard part is knowing that the last trilogy lacked an actual arc. That's. I that's bad planning, especially if you're planning to do a trilogy. In my mind, yeah, it's, it's problematic for sure. Um, um, and I mean, and I think you definitely saw the results of that up on the screen. Um, I I don't see why you would have such an undertaking, um, and then not have at least you know a an outline bullet points whatever you know 56 whatever we have to do these 56 you know you guys can plot the course between those dots but you have to hit everyone i i don't get it um I don't it makes sense it. what you're saying it would be would have been a better idea than what they had um, anyway, uh, that's me ranting, I obviously. Mean, well, I've done that so many times about this to you. Yeah, no, I mean, we've definitely had this conversation amongst ourselves um, many, many times. Um, you know, for the last couple of movies, for first, I've, I've tended to see them before you. And you um, don't really care if I spoil them. So I've always gone into in-depth conversations with you about my thoughts and feelings on the movies. Um, as I've seen them and I mean, I haven't really held anything back. And I, I think I've, um, I've, I've been voicing my displeasure over things, but then of course, you know, I praise the things that I like and there's definitely things to like in all of those new trilogy movies. I mean, you can't, you can't deny that there aren't just absolutely epically cool things that happen. Um, agreed, but do those epically cool things make up for the lack of direction, the lack of cohesion? Um, is it enough to sustain the stories? And my opinion is no. Um, I don't think the movies are either. I think, though, if they plan the Mandalorian, if they plan um, the Obi-Wan show right and things like that, they can introduce an entire new cast of characters in their youth now that can appear in the movies that happened after the the current trilogy and have an entire cast for this new universe. 
that yeah, people it, love that they've yeah, gotten yeah. like kind of involved with in the beginning. And it's like, it kind of was what we wanted to see with Luke. We wanted to see him, you know, kick ass, badass, go out in a blaze of glory. And while introducing and training these new characters that we could continue the adventure with. And I feel like they made it all about these new characters until the very end. They were like, oh, shit, we missed the chance to do this all along. And (laughs) fuck it. Well, yeah, I mean, if they could have made it a traditional passing the torch story, which I think would have served them better. Instead, they just had the the original cast kind of drop the torch just completely be like man like luke threw the lightsaber over his shoulder at the beginning of the last jedi it's kind of like they did that with the torch they're like here's the torch oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you guys go find it and pick it up um Agreed. but you know you you did bring up another what you just said reminded me of another article that i read um <clears throat> where so in the mandalorian apparently we're going to see more members of yoda's species and in season two from the sounds of it we're going to see them soon um just you know eight or nine short months from now um so that's cool but then also apparently there is a future for daisy ridley at at the very least in star wars and they're talking about at least a movie um with her you know, training new Jedi or maybe at the head of new Jedi. And supposedly baby Yoda is going to be one of these characters that's going to be brought to the motion picture. I read that. That was exciting. Actually. I like that. I mean, that. It's, cool. I... it's definitely the right direction. I, I think it's the, it's the smart move. And now whether that was planned from the beginning or, or whether that's Disney wanting to capitalize success of the baby Yoda character, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows, and I don't think, well, okay, I think maybe John Favreau and Kathy Kennedy and a couple other people might know, but my guess, my leaning would be towards, um, it's a bit of capitalization. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Money. Um, I do, I will nod my head to the fact that, I agree with the idea of separating the properties and into the like the trifecta at least if not you know uh, you know maybe four or whatever major properties that kind of all push the canon along but it's like you got to have cohesion of story and that's where the arc becomes so the narrative arc becomes so important because in what you're talking, the 56 points or whatever they come up with, um, it, the cohesion to the entire story is a big deal. And I'm wondering, I feel like somewhere in the whole of all the properties, that's just breaking down. And, um, I don't know with, the movies as they were and how they've been going with all the different rewrites. I'm just, and even Obi-Wan, I kind of feel like there's a story two thirds or whatever wants to tell and has in mind. And then there's the story that someone, one other person has in mind that's trying to hold the entire thing up 
because of what they want to tell. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, maybe, but I without I saying think, names. Well, I mean, I think what needs to be realized by whoever is making these choices and decisions is that the table, the buffet table that is Star Wars is pretty big. There's plenty of room for everybody to sit down and eat. They don't have to step on each other's toes and walk all over each other. There's plenty of room and there's plenty of places that people can go to tell their versions of story. They don't necessarily have to try to cram it all into the timeline that we're familiar with. They could go way far forward in the or way far back in the past if they want to tell a certain story. I think Rogue One, if anything, has proven that we don't need to have a connection to any of the characters for us to enjoy a story. Like Cassian Andor, Jyn Erso, these weren't names that anybody knew before Rogue One came out. And they told a good story. So make up some characters that do what you want them to do. Put them in a timeline that you want to put them in and tell the fucking story. I mean, it's... You don't have to, what is the word, shoehorn everything into into one, one set thing. I think it's just short-sighted. Well, and that was one of the things that actually has helped a whole lot of stories and um, trilogies and everything. Those holes add you to add dimension and explanation of those holes to make it fit. And you can always, if, if you're good, you can always figure out a way to twist the story in those gaps to make it fit. And that's those holes and those disjointed points. You can really excel and move a story forward by explaining how it all worked out. That's one of my favorite parts is those explanation of the holes. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, It'll be interesting to see. I mean, we've we've got we've got some good Star Wars stuff to keep us kind of tidied over until these um, till these rumors and announcements kind of solidify and become fact. Um, I don't want them to rush. I mean, we heard what was it that article said? Uh, starting in twenty twenty two, we're going to get a new Star Wars film every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would assume that means that they're coming from it from you know there's going to be multiple stories being told maybe not even interrelated or connected stories but there's going to be multiple stories being told um by multiple filmmakers and directors and writers and whatnot kind of like what we talked about uh like how marvel does it with more than having a specific movie where everybody's involved and it moves a story and those trilogies like that but they do like character like Ray. Here's two more movies of Ray. Here's a trilogy of Yoda. Now we have, uh, you know, Star Wars Assemble kind of movie. I mean, yeah, the, the, the Marvel formula could definitely work in the, uh, in the Star Wars universe. Um, I mean, I'm a little afraid that they'll go down the exact route of, hey, we're going to tell all these origin stories and then, you know, have an assembly of a team. I don't I don't think they need to go that way. Well, with Uh, the shows, I don't think they have to. 
Well, I mean, maybe not. Maybe not, but, I mean, they can't depend on the TV shows to guide the future of the film. That's the other aspect of it. But if they use the TV, the novels, and the comic books, they have three three different uh, properties to pull from and utilize parts and bits of to ultimately set up an entire narrative for a whole movie. Yeah, except I don't see them using the comic books in that way. I really don't. I see them using the comic books as filler for hardcore fans because, frankly, not that many people are reading comics. You can't, you're not going to reach the, you know, the magical number for a major blockbuster movie with the words Star Wars attached to it. I mean, they don't seem to be super happy unless that movie makes a billion dollars in the box office. And you're not going to generate a billion dollar box office movie from a comic book. Um, not just a comic from, book. At least from a Star Wars comic book. Uh, well, uh, what was it? Even the the down script, uh, the Duel of the Fates, was talking about Mustafar and everything going back there to Darth Vader's um, castle. Um, so they are definitely referencing comic book aspects potentially in the scripts that they don't use obviously well um, i mean hold on but, but to be fair one of the opening scenes in rise of skywalker took place on mustafar you just didn't know it was mustafar they didn't tell you that in the movie um that information came to us via the visual dictionary um but you see a big battle you know and you saw a glimpse of it in the trailer with kylo ren leading stormtroopers and massacring a bunch of people um Apparently that was Mustafar and like the planet looked like it had been um, reclaimed a little bit. There was vegetation and whatnot. Um, But apparently, yeah, that was Mustafar. So they did go there because he went there to get the, to get the wayfinder or whatever the hell. So he could find the emperor. He could find the emperor. Yeah. So apparently he went and got Darth Vader wayfinder. That would be my guess. Got it. Yeah, right. And but I so that's why I'm saying uh, there's potential. It's like you don't have to use like a you know all your characters from the comic book. You pull a character or two forward that are hardcore fan favorites, and you introduce them to live action. And then you have three that you pull from TV properties, and then maybe one from a novel. And now you have a six property set that you have all fared well in their own genre that you can now kind of push towards an interwoven story. And then when you come out, you can utilize the comic and the television, whatever medium they were already big in to push more of the story for the hardcore fans. Well, I mean, yeah, you could do that, but most, studios don't seem to want to go that route and i mean the biggest example of that that i can point to is on the cw you know how many years ago now eight nine ten years ago the tv show arrow premiered and it was like holy crap they're making a green arrow tv show they're not calling it green arrow but it's oliver queen and he's you know running around in a green hood with a bow and arrow and then they brought out the flash 
and then they brought out Legends of Tomorrow, and then we got Supergirl and um, Black Lightning, and you know they they built this whole world of superheroes, and not one of them appeared in the movie, not a single one. So, which I always thought was kind of short sighted. Now, but did you I, hear like, what happened? In I did. I heard. I heard Ezra Miller showed up as the Flash on the uh, the Crisis. Yeah, I think that's cool. I think that's great. Um, it went the other way. So there's a, always a possibility. I mean, they've never introduced in the DC universe a Green Arrow in that one. Um, so and I mean, they should have, and maybe they're going to at some point make a Green Arrow movie. Now that the Arrow show, I think, is over. Right? It's yep. done. It's, it's done, but because they killed Ollie and he became the Spectre. Yeah, what I read, right? Absolutely. I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it. That's my plan. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean the, um, I mean the 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 Birds of Prey movie, or no, I'm sorry, not the Birds of Prey movie. Forgive me, but the Harley Quinn movie that's coming out in February is uh, has the Huntress and it has a Black Canary. Um and Renee Montoya and all sorts of, of DC characters. So, um, I mean, you've got a black canary. You're very close to, to green arrow world right there. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a bad idea to get a green arrow film up and running. Absolutely. And that's where I'm like, I look at, at it and I think into myself, it's like, if the series is done and there's still the poll, you know, don't tell me that he wouldn't reprise his role in the movies if they felt he had the chops to do it. Um, uh, he I, might I not, but well, from what I hear, he had a panic attack on a on a live television interview. Um, I heard that. What was that about? I didn't read the article, but apparently Stephen Amell had a panic attack, like on air during an interview. Um, I don't think you'll ever see him as green arrow ever again unless it's maybe as like a get shot on legends of tomorrow since they have the time traveling mm-hmm. element going for them um i think if they do a green arrow on the big screen it will be with a different act yeah and to be maybe they'll use the same black canary from the harley quinn movie maybe they won't it's hard to say um but yeah i mean i don't i don't know but for what the show accomplished, even if he didn't, it was very, I mean, if they pulled one in now, completely different actor, all those things, what a nice nod to what Arrow developed um, for them in the TV properties. What a nice nod to not fill the shoes until the season finale. Yeah, no, I think I think that was a, the appropriate call to make would not have uh, two competing arrows the way they seem to have multiple competing supermen. And, you know, now, now there's talk of, uh, actually, I don't even think it's talk. I think it's confirmed that the HBO Max platform is going to have a live action Green Lantern show. Oh, um, wow. So what, what Green Lantern they use that, of course, a whole massive conversation because, I mean, there's literally thousands of them that they can pull from. I mean, of course, there's the there's the four most famous ones. You got Hal Jordan and John Stewart and Guy Gardner um, and Kyle Rayner that you can grab any one of those four and have 
you know, a main central well-known DC character. I mean, you could even, they could even go back and grab Scott Allen, I guess the original Green Lantern um, from the golden age, you know, in the same way that they brought Jake Garrick in on the flash. Um, it could be done. Lots of choices, lots of choices, but yeah. Um, but we digress because we are actually talking talking about Star Wars and not well, DC. We are, but I mean, but we oh. launched into the we launched into the DC talk because, like I said, DC developed this massively successful television property mm-hmm. and said that they were going to have a Flash. They we were working towards the Justice League, and they didn't pull any of their TV guys mm. over to the movie. That was another um, thing. End of Flash or end of the Crisis. Um, they the Hall of Justice and yeah, the table. I, and I heard everything. they formed a, a Justice League for the television. Yep. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I'm glad that they're telling that they that they're telling those stories there, and I'm glad that we've got this movie universe. Um, you know, we've got the second Wonder Woman movie coming. Um, it just seems like they don't want those properties, the television and and the films. It seems like the the don't tendency is to streams. have them play separately. Yeah, they don't cross the stream. I mean, even Marvel. Marvel had the Agents of Shield show running for how long? And Agent Coulson, who was killed in the original Avengers movie, was the lead on that show and never did they intertwine except for a few little connected like you know, they they showed kind of sort of the aftermath of Thor the Dark World and the aftermath of the Winter Soldier and all sorts of other stuff, but like there was zero acknowledgement in the movies that Coulson was still alive. So, you know, I don't, and you know, and look at, go to the Netflix shows. They had an amazing Daredevil, an amazing Jessica Jones, an amazing Luke Cage, and they also had an Iron Fist. Um, none of those guys showed up in the movies, even though they could have and should possibly have. even should have. Yeah. And yes, Daredevil season one, especially made huge references to, they called it the incident, you know, uh, obviously referencing the, the events of Avengers and, you know, that was Wilson Fisk kind of, um, play and grab and power in uh, in Hell's Kitchen was rebuilding all the all the property that was destroyed by the incident. Um, but you know they didn't bring them over. So given that Disney owns Marvel and Disney owns Star Wars, their formula has been not to let them intertwine. I can't see them. I can't see them doing a whole lot of intertwining. Like I said, the Baby Yoda thing feels like capital. Like, hey, we've got the super hot, super popular character that can live for 900 years. Let's find other ways to use him. And now maybe Angsty Fav- teenage Yoda. But maybe Favreau is going to be connected to those those rumored Ray movies where Baby Yoda is going to show up. It would be Who a knows? good move. Um, it, would be, it would be the only move, if you want my opinion. But, you know, what, who am I? I'm a guy sitting in a sitting in my guest room in Pennsylvania podcast. You know, I don't, no one's calling me to make these fucking choices. Right. You know, I, I think it would be an interesting formula for them to test out with the Star Wars franchise to see if they could introduce those characters and then utilize them in other properties later on. 
Um, well, sh- and sure, and maybe maybe the inclusion of Baby Yoda in a Ray movie is their test. Maybe it's like, okay, if we can make it work with this, let's see what else we can do down the road. Maybe it's their test. And right. if that's their test, fine. As long as it's not disruptive to their other thing. You know, as long as it doesn't screw with anything they've done in The Mandalorian or won't screw with anything The Mandalorian plans to do in the future. I mean, because frankly, who knows how long that show's going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know we're getting two seasons, but are we going to get three? Are we going to get five, seven, seven and a half? I mean, we don't know what we're going to get. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as long as their test goes well and as long as it doesn't ruin one thing for the sake of another, I'm, I'm great with it. I'm fine. Um, it needs to work and they need to figure out how to make it work. And I think Favreau is the key. At, at least with that particular project, I think Favreau is the key. I think he might be the key for everything, but for now, we'll just say for that particular project, though, Favs is the guy. I think you have to have him. He gets it. Without a question. Uh, I agree with that completely. I mean, you, you don't... He, the work he's done in a positive way for every project he's been on cannot be discounted. No, um, no, no. His Pretty much everything he touches turns to gold. Um, I mean, even with his, his acting, which, I mean, of course, we don't see him appearing in a whole lot of projects. Um you know, recently we saw him in Spider-Man Far From Home and the scenes he were in or was in were among the best in the movie. Um, you know, the scene with him and Peter on the airplane after Peter gets his ass kicked by Mysterio, um, you know, where he kind of gives Peter like the, the pump and pump you up rallying speech like, hey, you lost your suit, you're down, the bad guy's going to pull off his plan, what are you going to do about it? Like, that was great that was great like and just that was just him acting out somebody else's work but it added a whole level to that scene that you know i don't think would have been there without his presence and his ability to to act as well as he can act he and sold he, it he sold he that absolutely, scene, man. absolutely he absolutely sold that scene. yeah um so and yeah yeah, so I mean, there's there's that, and there's those rumors and hopes and speculation. We warned you guys way back in episode one, and when I say way back, I mean two episodes ago, that that we tend to go <laughs> off on tangents and we meander and we go all over the place. We took we took you on a little journey, half an hour journey. The, it was awesome. You baby, guys like it with the baby Yoda being in a movie through DC and Crisis and Marvel and everything else and background to Star Wars. It's oh. all connected. It's all in our, our world. I mean, I can almost guarantee you, if you like Star Wars, you probably like at least one of those other things we talked about. So if you do, I hope you enjoyed it, if you forgive us, but it is what it is. Uh, so back, so, uh, let, we hopping back to rumors, or did you have more to say on that? Um, let's see. Uh, no, no, no. Let's go back to rumors. Yeah, I was just trying to come back around to remember what were we? Oh yeah, I remember the big one. But is there anything else that you well, can think of? Um, I mean, I don't think it would be uh, wise for us to not talk about the Clone Wars trailer that dropped. Oh damn! Yeah, that was a good trailer. That was a great trailer. Um, very dark. Excited. Very dark. Yeah, but I think dark is the only way to go with 
with that point in time, if they're doing it in the time that they seem like they're doing it in, mm-hmm. it seems like they're definitely fully bridging the gap between um, clone the Clone Wars stuff we've seen and Revenge of the Sith. And I um, really like um, not just uh, the the animation style is crisp, yet it maintains what was set up way before but i don't know there's a quality to it that the the properties before just didn't have in my from what i've seen what i don't what's your opinion well i i watched all of the clone wars series in its original run um yeah i mean we're definitely we're definitely getting some higher quality animation and it looks like we're probably going to be getting some really high quality storytelling um my personal hope for the for the season is that they they literally take us right to the point where Anakin and Obi Wan launch to go and rescue Palpatine, um, which means I hope they show the invasion of Coruscant, um, because there were books written um, in that timeline, like there was a book that completely detailed that invasion, um, and you got to see General Grievous just murking people and Jedi and soldiers and everything in his efforts to capture Palpatine. You saw Mace Windu and Grievous have a duel. Um, and you saw Yoda use through the forest to detect the Dark Lord of the Sith. Uh, so I'm hoping they show all of that. Uh, I'm hearing, though, already just... And people are basing this off of just a trailer. So, I mean... I don't put much stock in it, but apparently people are saying the trailer is already creating continuity issues for the movies. If it does, it does. It's not the biggest deal. Um, I mean, that movie is like, what, 15 years old now? 15 to 20? If you want to go back to The Phantom Menace, I mean, yeah. it's, okay if they, it's okay if they create a slight continuity issue. It's not, it doesn't end the world. Can I say I would like to see it create a little bit of continuity issues so they have to go back and retcon maybe Phantom Menace just a little bit and maybe take out some stupid parts of it like midichlorians. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I like to say it that way. I just... Yeah, no, it's the only way it needs to be said with contempt. (laughs) There's no other way to handle that. So let the retcon come. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm all for retconning at this point, at least with certain things. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, no, that's an exciting trailer. You see Ahsoka and Anakin and a bunch of Jedi and the droid drop, dude. Yeah, yeah, there's some cool stuff. And we're like two weeks away from that show premiering. So bring it on. Bring it on. I do you did you happen to see what the episode count is? How many total shows there's going to be? And are there let me take a look. I'll I'll take a look and see what I can find really quick. Yeah, and see if they're going to release them all at once or if it's gonna be a week. That's the other thing I haven't looked up yet. Um I can't imagine that they wouldn't release them all at once. Um, but they might do a weekly release or maybe two episodes a week or something, depending on how many there are. Um, but yeah, I mean, Clone Wars, the, the cartoon, the original run of it, plus, I guess you have to count the theatrically released movie. Um, I have a really, 
You have a count. You have, have a count. count. Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Twelve episodes. Um, Half an hour in length apiece, roughly, probably. It says first aired February 21st, 2020, and then last aired to be announced. Okay. So, well, okay. So that means we know when it's premiering, but we don't know how it's being distributed. It, it might be all at once, or it might be one episode a week. That's kind of what I'm seeing. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I imagine there are only 30 minute episodes. That's my guess. 22 minute is what I wanted to say is what I said. Yeah, no, that would be about right. I mean, I don't know why they're making 22 minutes because that's, you know, that's accounting for commercials. <laughs> but there are no commercials on Disney Plus because, you know, we pay for it already. Um, they don't need ad. They definitely don't need advertising. It could be that was just the original episodes were each 22. I'm not. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of information important. as far as it's not important anyway we'll find anyway. out here in a few weeks when it when it premieres how you know if they're going to do one a week february at 21st the, at the 12 episode limit i actually could see them doing one a week because that would kill a pretty significant amount of time for new content coming out before um it wouldn't be too big of a gap from that show ending to when the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show come out. So true. Um, yeah. So I could definitely see them doing one a week. Um, so yeah. So that's enough of the Clone Wars. We're well, I was also going to say really quick though. I could also see that they're going to be a little bit longer than twenty-two minutes. Obviously, we. But I'm. I. I really want to find that out. We will find that out next week. But I'm pretty sure with only 12 episodes why you wouldn't run them longer yeah i mean it may be maybe they'll just have varying length you know maybe there'll be a couple that are 22 minutes and then as it gets to the end maybe they'll be longer um i mean they can literally do whatever they want the mandalorian had varying episode lengths i mean they weren't all uniform they were all close obviously but they weren't all in a uniform time so um not the biggest of deals. I guess I just hope they I hope they cover all the story beats that I want them to cover. If they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. I'll take I'll take it. I mean, whatever they want to give, I'll take. Because more Star Wars is always a good thing. Seriously. Well, almost always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, there are times where it's not. But in this next bit of news, exciting news, the more Star Wars here the better because we're going to be talking about something that has a history already that they're bringing back and into new canon. What do you, well, it's not confirmed yet. It's not okay. Confirmed okay. Yet. Not confirmed yet. Just a rumor, which I hope gets confirmed soon, but let's, let's not, let's not get super excited because if it doesn't happen, hearts are definitely going to be broken. Uh, well, why don't, why don't you spill the rumor? Okay. So, what was it? Thursday? Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, cruising through my Facebook. And I see a story from, I think it's comicbook.com pop up saying that EA is rumored to be remastering slash remaking the Knights of the Old Republic games and um, making them canon. Um, so if you're not familiar with the Knights of the Old Republic games, 
Um, originally, Knights of the Old Republic was released in 2003. You played the role of, well, you started out as whatever class you started. You could be a soldier, a scoundrel, or, or I can't remember what the third one was. Why am I blanking? I don't remember either. It's yeah. been enough Soldier, time. Scoundrel or something else. But then mm. it turns out you're force sensitive and you train to be a Jedi. And then it turns out that you have been playing the role of a character who is my favorite of all the characters ever done. Expanded universe sort of fashion. You're playing the role of Revan. Um, and then the second game, you took on the role of a character uh, who became known as the Exile, who served under Revan. Um, and you're kind of going on a journey that peripherally relates to him. You're kind of looking for him because he's vanished at this point. Um, and at this point, fighting. he was also redeemed. He wasn't. He was no longer a fallen Jedi. He was. Well, but I mean, I never told them that he. I just said you were oh. playing. It. I'm just giving them the broad overview. You're right. I'm sorry. I was. Yeah. Really, I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's fine. So anyway, they might be remaking and remastering um, both of the original game, um, which birthed the MMO eventually, um, because Revan's and the Exile stories are both retouched again in that MMO. Um, so there's actually two rumors. Both of them are fairly similar, but both of them are moderately... There's a slight difference in the two of them. Um the first one was remake slash remaster of both original games being combined into one story. And then there was the rumor of remake remaster with both original games being combined into one story, but possibly also tacking on sequel material to it. Mm-hmm. So, And sequel material rumor, is big. Sequel material is huge. It's The sequel material was done in a book. Um, like the period of time that they would need to cover was covered in that book, um, which was a bridge to the old Republic MMO and came out well after the game or the original game had, um, had been released. Um, but either way, you're looking at, you're looking at the two best Star Wars games of all time. And this isn't even, isn't, it's not objective. Every list put out has these games at the top um they were masterpieces of story playing um gameplay style was based on the dungeon dragon 20 um so you had invisible combat roles behind the scenes you know you had multiple party members you could assign the party members to different targets and pick their attacks you could pause the game and queue up multiple attacks um each game had you going from planet to planet in pursuit of something or someone. Um, they had choice where your choices affected the story and they affected your alignment to Dark Sider, um, which also affected the story. Um, although ultimately it didn't matter if you went light or dark because they always gave you a choice. Mm-hmm. Um they gave you a choice if you made depending on what choice you made depended on made it affected which way you went but it Uh, affected how your companions uh interacted and dealt with you yeah yeah i mean in some in some aspects they they did did that way more in depth in the second one than they did Mm -hmm. in the first um 
but yeah, they definitely had that in the first level. Now, how cool would it be if they decided that they were going to include the DLCs or the content that was taken out? Well, I mean, the DLC for the the original Knights of the Old Republic game or the first Knights of the Old Republic game was small, but it was cool. They, they basically they had a a space station around Yavin Four that you could go to, and um, they had super powerful weapons and armor and and other stuff that you could buy from there. And as basically as you completed one of the planets, you could go back to the space station and get better stuff. And then there was a little storyline with with mercenaries or something who were harassing the station's owner. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, isn't the biggest of deals to include because they could scatter that gear into other areas of the game. Um, I mean, story-wise, it doesn't add any. Where Good point. The, the big thing is, in the old, in the Knights of the Old Republic 2, the Sith Lords, um, the game was released unfinished and we're talking about 2005 before ELC was really a thing before updates were really a thing the obsidian was was the studio behind Knights of the Old Republic 2 and they were basically told hey this game needs to be out for Christmas and that mandate forced them to cut a pretty significant amount of content from the game, which um, people who are much smarter than me uh, got a hold of the PC version and started data mining and actually managed to restore a lot of the content, which you could then download and patch into the game yourself and play a more complete version of the game. And while it didn't change the grand scope of the game, it definitely... I mean, it added some really, 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 really cool stuff. Um, and so, yeah, if they're going to be remaking slash remastering the second one, the inclusion of that content is a must. Because, yeah, the stuff they cut was pretty damn cool. Um, like, you, you, you picked up a companion who's actually a returning companion from the first uh, Old Republic game, uh, the assassin droid HK-47. You rebuild him over the course of the game. And also over the course of the game, you, you are constantly being attacked by replicas of him. And so he's telling you there has to be a droid factory. And, you know, if you do this and that, you'll restore my memory and I'll be able to tell you where the droid factory is. So that content got dropped. But in the restored version, you could go back and actually take out the droid factory. Um, it had different stuff for the companions. There was all sorts of cool stuff. Right. Didn't change it, but was so worth it. Um, oh, it's you can you can if you can find the older older public too. You can get that content today. You could get it right now. You could push pause on this podcast, go download it. Um, that game might even be on Steam. Um, good you old said Steam. it was on uh, the app, uh, the App Store for Apple App Store. Well, um, 
or was? The first night to the Old Republic game is. I don't know that the second one is. Hmm. Um, both games are backwards compatible on the Xbox One right now, but you can't get the additional content for the Sith Lords 2 anywhere except on PC. Now, and given given how old the game is, any computer can run it. Yeah. Like, without a problem. So, I mean, you don't need to have a stated yard of saying, the, I mean, the game is very, very old at this point, especially when you're talking PC terms. Um, but, yeah, you, you can, if you get the base game and then you just do a Google search for the, um, I think it's the Sith Lord Restoration Project, you should be able to find the uh, the download you to uh, get that restored content back into the game and it's cool and it's not only it's not only story points and more missions and things like that but it's also gear that got cut out of the game um and just all sorts of really cool shit now here is one thing that i really was kind of when i first saw kylo ren's mask Right, I looked at it and was like, "God damn, that it looks so much like Revan's." Not exactly, but if you look at them, there is so many. It's like the visor, almost like there's similarities to the two of them in my mind. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was a proponent that Kylo Ren was uh, was Revan for a little while. Um, until, you know, that rumor got squashed by the internet at some point, um, you know, along with the, of the rumor that Kylo Ren was Luke Skywalker. Um, but yeah, no, they, they, I'm, I don't know if they took inspiration. It'd be kind of nice if they did. And it would have been nice if, if they took inspiration from that, if they'd incorporated it into the movies, because as of right now, even with what the visual dictionary said, I don't think Revan is a, is considered official canon right now. No, he is. I that I did read that due to his inclusion in that he is official canon, and which also, I mean, not to rabbit hole things, but um, that led me to thinking about if he was official. You know, if that he's official canon now and. They're naming the legions after Sith Lords, right? Are they basically, I mean, is that in the Emperor's mind the third strongest Sith? I mean, I don't know what the first two legions were called. Um, I'd be curious to know if it if there's any reference, but... Um, oh, I mean, there's, there's any number of legions and Sith Lords that could have their names thrown. I mean, there could be a Bane Legion. Um, there could be an Exarchoon Legion, a Freedonad Legion, a Margaragnos Legion. I mean, there could be any number of legions because uh, there's plenty of named Sith Lords out there. Not disagreeing, um, just saying that this happens to be the third legion, um, meaning only two legions created before it. Uh, and I, I don't, Revan's I don't name's attached to it. I don't know that I'd read anything into the numbering of the legions if they have any connection to i think there is you think there is i, I mean, think there is it's a, it's a valid theory but um right I mean, personally i think revan was more powerful than palpatine 
just based on what he did and what he was capable of doing. I mean, he's done stuff that I don't think you could point to any other source and say that they've done something similar. Um, so you know, if Revan, you were going to compare, say, Darth Bane to Darth Revan, you're like, Revan's before Bane. Um, I think Revan is absolutely before Bane, because I don't think Bane was the most powerful. Um, what, so, uh, that, which is cool. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm, I'd be curious only because I would ask who, you know, dependent who was, quote-unquote, if they were that was an element of the story um which probably isn't because there's not a whole lot of arc thought that goes behind it seems um but if somebody was thinking (laughs) and was like okay who would team think is the top x number or top three you know it could be that he picked the third because that was just the only other really big Sith name he knew about. I mean, it's it's possible. I personally think Revan is one of, if not the most powerful Force user ever. Like, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever. Um, Ooh. That's... Just based, just like that, based Barry. on what he could do. Because, um, like I said, there's stuff that he has done, of course... Like him as a character might be official, but whether or not all of his storylines are official is a whole nother subject matter. Well, um, in the EU, like, what are some of the things that he did? I mean, I'm well, privy to some of them, but like, I'd like your opinion. Well, okay, so let's let's go ahead and um, you know, even though we've been talking news and rumors for a while, then let's let's deep dive on on Revan a little bit. Um, awesome. So this might be a long one, guys. Buckle in. Uh, (laughs) We're already at an hour. (laughs) Enjoy this, guys. You were getting into it now. Down the rabbit hole. An hour is a standard podcast episode for the most part. But, I mean, people like Joe Rogan can do two, three, four-hour episodes, depending on who they're talking to. So if we go an hour and a half, hour 45, I don't think we're going to object too strongly. Um, I say we go down this rabbit hole with Revan. Yeah, no. Absolutely. I say I hear okay. our fans saying, "Go down the rabbit hole." Um, we have fans, plural, with an S. Yeah. Um, okay. Like one dude and your wife. We're not your wife. Well, she is a fan, but she doesn't have the time to listen with the baby. Fair enough. Okay. So, Revan. Um. That's the only name we know him by, is Revan. Uh, in one of the old reference books, they referred to him as the Revan Kiss. Almost. So picture Revan with the word Christ on it minus the R. Um, so I personally think Revan is his actual name, and he used it as a Sith name. He used it as a Jedi name. He used it for everything. So, Which is not normal. No, not in the least. Um, so Revan, typical Jedi upbringing, found at a young age, trained, um, his first master, uh, was named Kreia, and we know this from the Knights of the Old Republic 2, uh, because Kreia is one of your, uh, companions, 
and she tells you a lot about Revan over the course of the game, but then she also turns out to be the antagonist of the game um, when it's all said and done. Um, so she trained Revan until she basically realized she had nothing to teach him. The Jedi Order thought she was dangerous and, and expelled her, and then she became a Sith, and then the Sith expelled her, and then she became something in the middle. Um, so anyway, so Revan's training was then taken over by various other masters. I think Rook and Vandar are two of the the master names attached to him. Um, and one of those two was a member of Yoda's species. I can't remember if it was if it was Rook or Vandar. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, so Revan is a very, very powerful, very talented young Jedi. In the backdrop of this, our buddies, the Mandalorians, led by Mandalore the Ultimate, uh, begin an invasion of the Outer Rim. An invasion that the Republic does nothing about. They just say, let's just sit and see what happens. There's something going on. We want it to kind of flesh out. Well, Revan couldn't stand by and let that happen. So on his own, he rallied a number of supporters Malik. including including Malik, who in that same source book that called Revan the Revenkiss called Malik Alec. Um, so again, I don't know if Alec is his official name or not, but we'll we'll call him Malik just for the sake of simplicity here. And Vandar so, was the Yoda. Vandar was the Yoda. Good Googling there, buddy. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so he basically kind of forced the Republic's hand. He went out to fight the Mandalorians. Um, you know, numerous Jedi and, and numerous Republic forces rallied to his cause. It was a long, bloody war, lots of casualties on both sides. Uh, ultimately, the war ended on Malachor V, where we see uh, the, the character known as the Exile, uh, who is the protagonist of the Knights of the Royal Republic 2 game unleash a weapon um, called the Mass Shadow Generator to basically crush and just utterly destroyed Malachor 5 and everything and everybody on it, but it destroyed a lot of the Mandalorian fleet, killed a lot of the Mandalorian forces on the surface, and a lot of the Republic forces on the surface. Um... And Revan had a one-on-one -on -one duel with Mandalore the Ultimate and defeated him. And before he died, um, Mandalore the Ultimate told him that he was influenced by a Sith Lord into this attack and kind of gave Revan a direction to go in. Um, during the Mandalorian War, and I'm, I'm so we're jumping back a little bit, um, Revan took the mask from a defeated Mandalorian warrior and put it on and swore to never take it off until the war was over. So that's where his mask came from. His mask is actually a Mandalorian helmet. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Which that may, cool. that makes so much sense. Wow. I've been wondering why it looked so much like a Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I actually, that was in, um, apparently that came from a comic book. 
um, which I just I just found that little detail out the other. Uh, so following what Mandalore the Ultimate told Revan before he died of Revan's hands, um, Revan and Malik and some of their surviving support go out in search of these rumors, which led them to Drummond Cass, the hidden homeworld of the true Sith. Um, the pure blood Sith, the ones who, uh, I guess, apparently didn't like what was going on completely at Korriban, didn't like them effing around with the Republic, thought that attacking the Republic was the end of everything, and so they, they packed up and left and went and founded a Sith Empire, the hidden Sith Empire, the true, they called it the true Sith Empire, um, on a planet named Drummond Cass, which was introduced to us in the Old Republic uh, MMO. So Revan and Malik go there, they encounter the Emperor, their plan is to kill him. Um, but this Emperor is extremely powerful and um, manages to overcome and then corrupt Revan and Malik, and now as Darth Revan and Darth Malik, they return to the Republic and discover the Starforge. Um, which is the you know the main one of the main plot points in the Knights of the Old Republic in the first game uh, was you're looking for this Starforge. And the Starforge is basically a mystical factory uh, powered by the dark side of the Force, which lets you create anything, and they use it to create a military out of basically nothing. Um, so now these two fallen Jedi amass this armada and start attacking the Republic um, in an event known as the Jedi Civil War because, you know, it's Jedi, basically it's Jedi, the galaxy views Revan and Malik Jedi. They don't know that they've fallen and that they're Sith. Um, so it's Jedi Civil War to the galaxy. And it's a long, bloody, drawn-out affair where the Republic is getting their ass handed to them the entire time. Um, over the course of the Jedi Civil War, Malik actually challenges Revan for leadership, and Revan defeats him by cutting off his lower jaw, which if you look at an image of Malik, he's got like a metal faceplate over the lower half of his face, and that's because he has no lower half. Revan sliced that fucking thing off. <laughs> um, so in a desperate move, the Republic sets up an ambush. For Revan. They think if they take out Revan, then they're going to win the war. So a strike team led by Bastila Shan and uh, nu numerous other Jedi uh, attack Revan on his ship. While Bastila is fighting or preparing to fight Revan one-on-one, -on -one, um, Malik opens fire on the bridge of Revan's ship, um, nearly killing him. Um, the Jedi that survive take the unconscious Revan and flee. So Malik assumes that Revan is dead and becomes the Dark Lord of the Sith and resumes the war. Uh, the captured Revan is taken to the Jedi Council, who used the Force to wipe his mind and reprogram him as the soldier, scoundrel, whatever, that you, basically when you choose your class at the start of the, old, of the Knights of the Old Republic game, um, they basically reprogram him into a Republic soldier. 
you know, and then, um, and then the ship he's on gets attacked and shot down. Um, Bastila Shan is on that ship. And so you spend the first part of that game trying to find Bastila and escape the planet. And then eventually you do so and you go to Datooine to the Jedi temple where it's revealed that, you know, you are force sensitive and they're going to train you to be a Jedi. So the Jedi's plan was basically, okay, we're going to wipe his, his mind and we're going to reforge this powerful force user as a, as our weapon against the Sith. Cause they think it's their only chance. So this reprogrammed the Revan who doesn't know he's Revan yet is set out into the galaxy to find and destroy the Starforge and, you know, hopefully take down Malik. And so you go to planets familiar like Tatooine and Kashyyyk. Um, you go to a couple of new locations, growing in power the whole side, gaining allies. Um, I hate to use the word canically, but, I mean, originally the Knights of the Republic games were canon. Um mm-hmm. You know, Revan is redeemed as as a Jedi. He's completely redeemed. He learns who he was. Um, all that stuff comes back to him, although he still has huge gaps in his memory. Um, he doesn't remember close to everything. He just remembers some of it, but he comes back to light, um, defeats Malak, destroys the Star Ford, uh, happily ever after. Well, so Knights of the Old Republic 2 starts off where you're playing as this, the Jedi Exile, and originally in the, in what became canon, um, the Exile, you're not given a name, you get to choose a name, but you're not given a name, like in, in the older, in Knights of the Old Republic, you know, they find out eventually you're Revan, they call you Revan the rest of the time, um, in the nice old rebel two, you're just called the Jedi Exile or the Exile. Uh, that character was later canically named to be a female, named Mitra Surik. Um, and so that is no matter who you play as, canically, that's who she is. This is the Exile is this female Jedi named Mitra Surik. And didn't they basically cut her off from the Force? Wasn't she that cut the her. Oh, she cut. She, her. She cut herself off from the Force because she was the Jedi that Revan commanded to unleash the mass shadow generator at Malachor V. And so just the wash of everything that erupted from that action overloaded her. It was too much. Um, So she cut herself off. And then so you start off unconscious, actually. Um, and depending on whether or not you play the tutorial in the game, you can you actually start off playing as a droid, um, and you repair the ship that you used in the first Knights of the Old Republic game called the Ebon Hawk, and you use the droid to repair the ship to get you to a, a space station that's nearby, and then you wake up and you take control of the Jedi Exile. Um, and so you escape the station, you go to another planet. Um, you know, um, you meet Kreia on the space station. She becomes your teacher. And over the course of the game, you know, you obviously go planet to planet, uh, recruiting allies. And you're looking for, you're basically looking to unite what's left of the Jedi. And I think they said at this point, there's barely a hundred or so, or even less than a hundred. And there were more, but some mass 
of some event happened where, you know, a bunch of Jedi gathered to try to figure out what was going on and they all basically die. Um, and so there's a, there's a trio of Sith Lords kind of behind all of them. There is Darth Sion, who you meet very early in the game. Um, he has, he's given various lame nicknames by some of the characters, sleeps with vibroblades, whatever, but he's a human or human looking, just completely gray and pale, cracked, cut up, just looks like nothing but cuts and scars all over his, his body. Um, he hates Kreia a lot. And so he's in pursuit of, of the exile and he's in pursuit of Kreia because they think if they kill the exile, they win the Sith of one permanent. Um, what you don't know is that Kreia is one of these Sith Lords who is also exiled uh, by Darth Sion and Darth Nihilus. <coughs> Nihilus is the other one that's involved in this um, in this little trio of Sith Lords uh, who are using dark side powers like we've never seen before. You know, like basically Sion is able to stay alive just through sheer will of the Force. Um, and he can't be killed. The only way he can die is you basically have to convince him that he's dead, and then he, and then that's how you defeat him ultimately. Um, Nihilus is like a black hole, where he just feeds off of the life force of everything around him, and is capable of focusing that into a way to where he can cause just mass death and casualty. Um. So the point of the Sith Lords too is you're cruising around looking to assemble as many of the Jedi that are left as possible to try to figure out what's going on. Um, and then Kreia betrays you and reveals herself. She's disappointed by your actions. You know, she tries to guide you with stories of Revan and, you know, what Revan was going after. And she talks about, oh, Revan learned of a threat out beyond the Outer Rim and went to confront it. Um, you know, and she tried to give you some of the lessons that she felt maybe caused Revan to go wrong. Um, and then ultimately the game concludes with you defeating all the Sith Lords and they kind of imply there's no proper ending. Like you get a, you get an animated cutscene, but it doesn't really tell you anything, but it's kind of implied that you're going to go out and look for Revan. Um, That's what I remember is thinking, yeah. okay, and now I'm going off to find Revan, which I wanted that story. Well, yeah, everybody did. Everybody thought that, oh, well, we're going to get a third game and it's going to be the exile going to look for Revan and then at some point you'll find him and then there'll be a ultimate team up. And gray Jedis that, and the whole, oh, so much hope. Yeah. So, I mean, let's... So that's I mean, kind of Revan. And then, at least in well, the games. Well, no, I mean, I'm not even close to done, bro. Right? <laughs> and that's the first part. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to decide where to go next, because if you want to look at what, in the order of what was released, um, the Old Republic game came first. Mm -hmm. But I think I might as well just tell the story of the book that's titled Revan, because it fills in the gaps between KOTOR 2 and the MMO. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, let's... That's so continuity's sake. Continuity's sake. The book Revan um, follows Revan. 
and it follows the X. So it starts off with, you know, Revan's on Coruscant, Jedi Temple. They're rebuilding the Jedi Order after this, you know, after the, um, after the Jedi Civil War. But Revan is constantly plagued by nightmares um, of just this horrible threat that, you know, he's trying to ignore the, the nightmares. He's trying to ignore the, the ominous premonitions. Um, he's married to Bastila. They have a child. Um, but ultimately he decides to, um, to go out and look for them. So now enter the Jedi exile after the events of Knights of the Old Republic two. Um, she's kind of welcomed back among the Jedi. She goes and talks to Bastila and, you know, based on everything that she was told and learned during her adventures, meeting some of Revan's old companions and whatnot, she decides to go and try to find them. So this leads to them uniting on drum and cast. And you know, they're going to go and basically try to do what they try, what Revan and Malik tried to do. Revan and, and Nietzsche are going to go and try to take out the Empire. Um, it does not go well. We see Mitra stabbed in the back by a Sith Lord who was pretending to be their ally. So Mitra, that's how Mitra died. And we see Revan overcome and captured by this Sith Emperor. And the Sith Emperor basically uses Revan as a battery for hundreds of years to maintain his life. Because Revan is so powerful in the Force, he's able to feed off of Revan's Force energy to keep himself alive. Um, so this Emperor is obviously extremely powerful, and Revan is obviously extremely powerful to maintain such a powerful being for hundreds of years. Is this the same Emperor that was that first turned him? Yes, same guy. Okay. Um, so enter the Old Republic MMO. So depending on which faction you aligned with, you get a, you get different stories. So to see the whole story, you have to play as both. But so you get, if you're uh, aligned with the Republic, if you're on the Jedi side of the coin, you will get, um, I can't remember what they called them not a instance or a strike or what I can't remember what it was called. It was basically, you know, you get a little four person team together and you go and you do a big long dungeon. Um, it's been some years since I've played the MMO. Um, so I don't remember everything, but, um, you basically, you are led by the force ghosts of Mitra to where Revan is being held and you free him. Um, you know, at which point Revan wants to wage war on the Sith, and he goes and kind of does his own thing. Then there's a Sith or a dark side sided mission where you actually go and kill Revan. Um, which, I mean, I thought was kind of amazing that they're like, oh, well, we're just straight up killing him. And you go and you straight up take him out. And it's, it's an amazing fight. He's got cool dialogue and amazing powers, but you know, your powers combined, you take him. Damn. So then, then a few years after the original release, you know, games are now at the point where there's expansion. So they do an expansion on the MMO called the Shadow of Revan, 
where basically you kill Revan's physical body, but he's still alive. But his spirit fractured into a light side and a dark side. So you have the the Jedi Revan spirit and then the Sith Lord Revan spirit. Well, the Sith Lord Revan spirit resurrects his own body. So he basically, through sheer force of will and the dark and the force, brings himself back to physical life and starts wreaking havoc. <laughs> so that's Which isn't a stretch it. with everything they've done with the Emperor and with uh, the other Lord, the fractured one in the first well, game. Well, yeah, but I mean, but we're not talking about it. We're not talking about his spirit going into a clone body. We're talking about him bringing a bringing his physical self back which they did discuss later on with uh well not so much with momin but they he did make his fiddle he remade his physical body from the dark side of the force right which maybe they took the inspiration for that from revan because you know what momin's helmet kind of looks a lot like revan agreed um you know just saying agreed um so yeah, um, you know, eventually the dark side Revan is defeated and the light side Revan takes control of that body again, at which point he lets go and becomes one with the force and is gone permanently. Um, so that's where his story ends thus far. In the EU. In, in, yeah. So, I mean, what they do with it going forward is a whole different matter. Um, you know, Revan, from the moment I first started learning about him, quickly became my favorite. Um, his, the way they had him interacting with the Force is like it's never been done before. Um, he was just an amazing character. I think um, and to the point to the point that like not only did he influence the Jedi and their teachings for god knows how long but also the Sith because in the book Bane Path of Destruction you know Bane is taken as a child or as a teenager to become a Sith after he you know basically through use of the force kills his dad just wills his dad to die and he finds the Sith and gets trained as a Sith. Well, then he's not happy with the way the Sith are operating and how they're training him. So he goes off on it. And he discovers the um, the planet of the people who made the Star Forge, the Rakata. And in one of the ruined Rakata temples, he finds a holocron from Darth Revan. Where Darth Revan teaches basically espouses the rule of two saying that if the dark side is dispersed amongst so many weak people then there's no one that can ever really be strong so bane who is the founder of the rule of two there can only be a master and an apprentice got that from revan hmm. i mean you're you're talking about like the sheer influence of of what they did with the revan character is just massive now my favorite part a lot of what has been written and told about revan was done by the same guy that that drew carpishan guy that we talked about i think on episode one Um, okay 
so we've had one basically one main person guiding his story um but yeah he's just awesome and and then so the fact that they might be redoing these games and bringing his story back or updated or modernizing it whatever you want to call it just so freaking exciting well my favorite thing that they did with revan was um the fact that we've had a lot of uh jet jedi fall as far as the movie go you have anakin and then you got ben um i say a lot but you know obviously the theme is there and oh no, ben I mean, that goes and, back a long ways i mean if you yeah. want to talk about jedi falling i mean the the original story as it was told in the comic books way back when was that the, the reason the Sith were founded was because there was a Jedi civil war back in the day from from Jedi who didn't want limits put on what they could do with the force. And so they broke off and then they went and they found um, they found Korriban and they found the Sith species. And, and that's how those Sith came to be. So and then you have Exar Kun and Freedom Nad and Ula Keldroma and all sorts. There's Jedi falling constantly throughout but the redemption of the Jedi. But redemption is a rare thing. Yes. And Anakin and Ben found redemption, but they, while redeemed in the sense of the Force, <clears throat> redeemable for their action of killing, say, kids and everything that they did that way, was not really ultimately feasible to be redeemable character. And so thus, part of why I believe writers killed him off. Um, but Revan, his fall... And redemption and then continuation of a story was unique to me in in the stories that I had seen with Jedi post like now and then even before it's while he did bad things his redemption was actually was never far off like it what couldn't happen yeah he might have killed people in war and waged and this and that but I don't think he did anything character-wise that was completely 100% irredeemable as a I character mean, I, to continue. I would wager that Revan's body count is higher than that of Ben Solo's and Anakin Skywalker's combined. But did he kid, k- kill kids? Undoubtedly, he killed kids. You think, I mean, oh. he, he waged war on the Republic. He invaded Republic world. There were undoubtedly kids that were killed because of that. I mean, without a doubt, I don't. I don't think the force cares personally about the age. No, of no, the I. Killed. Yeah. I mean, I just. I mean, undoubtedly, Revan's body count is has to be much, much higher because we're talking about a guy who waged. Well, I mean, if you want to count all of his wars, I mean, we had the war against the Mandalorian, and we had the war against the Republic, and then we had him turn around and wage war on. The Sith again. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's fought in just constant warfare. I mean, but, his personal body count's got to be high, and then the body count from his actions got to be astronomical. Yeah, absolutely. His collateral damage, um, and that's the bad guys always have collateral, but I don't know. I always felt while there was collateral damage and all that, I... I he, and he was stained. I guess I didn't feel like his fall was, while it was horrible for the Jedi, I don't 
didn't feel like in some ways it was as twisted. Um, and maybe again, this is because I didn't read some or some of the more in more detailed source material, but I never felt like it was as, as dark of a fall as what they did with Anakin and now did with, uh, Ben, um, with the, but cause I don't, did he ever destroy, uh, um, like a Jedi enclave or anything? Um, I'm sure he did. Um, I mean, they don't, they don't talk about it in express terms, but, um, yeah, I'm certain. I'm utterly certain that Jedi force as opposed to him had to have been slaughtered. And whatever, you know, base of operations they had, had to go along with it. Um, you know, I mean, I personally feel the most evil thing Ben Solo did was kill Han Solo. I mean, that's, mm. you know, patricide is pretty freaking horrible, but... Um, I don't want it to happen to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, how, how do you, how do you grade, how do you grade that sort of stuff? I mean, and, and again, does the force, does the force even care? I mean, that's the thing is like when you're talking of redemption from dark to light or a fall from light to dark, does the force care how you go about doing it? Or is it just all in the person? I personally feel that the three dark side falls, you know, in this comparison, Revan, Vader, and Ben Solo. I mean, Ben Solo's on the bottom. Like I say, he killed Han Solo. Is the worst thing that we saw him do, or the worst thing, in my opinion, that we have knowledge of him doing. But Um, didn't he destroy the and uh, the his uh, school? And anybody that didn't go with him or side with him, didn't he kill? Well, yeah. But, I mean, if you're in the grand scheme of things, I mean, undoubtedly Revan did the same thing, probably. I can't imagine that any Jedi that didn't join him lived. Um, And, again, I don't think the Force cares. You know, I don't... Not going to disagree with you about the Force part, because I don't, I don't think that it cares either. I guess I do mean redemption through this light of, an, or the eyes of the Jedi versus Sith. Um, but it almost seems like, in some ways, that it does care, because the only way to get, like, a red uh, crystal is to fall, or isn't it, what is it? Uh, but I don't know, that's EU, isn't it? Well, no, that's the they covered that in the Darth Vader comic where um basically Palpatine says, you know, you you lost your lightsaber fighting to Obi-Wan and yeah, we've got a ton of lightsabers laying around. Um you could take any one of them if you wanted to. I mean, even Yoda's like they show all of these Jedi lightsabers being thrown in like a cauldron and getting melted down. But Palpatine says, you know, we use red lightsabers, and the only way to get that is you have to take a lightsaber from somebody, and then you have to corrupt the crystal um, through pain and hatred and bad acts. And so that's how, I guess, canically now, that's how red lightsaber crystals come to to be. Um, and there so, is a bit about the whole let it let you into the anger, let into the hate that they put on the dark side stuff. Yeah, it's almost like they bathe it in blood. And um, 
I can, I mean, I could pull up the comic and read real quick exactly what Palpatine said. Um, Cause I'm pretty sure it's in one of the first couple of comics. Okay. Um, it's cause it's interesting. I guess that's to me why I, Revan's story again is, is interesting because if he did give in and, into all that and he let himself have that side of it um to come back from it and ultimately let go of it in return and i guess i i I, those are two two of or one of the main things about the revan story that i really like um i the redemption thing i guess Supposing that he could have done that versus knowing that he did indefinitely um, is the gray area that makes me feel like he was redeemable. If you f- I find out he were to kill a whole school of kids himself, you know, at that point in time, I'd be like, now we're talking with a really, in my my opinion a really hard redeem redemption story. Um, while you can redeem them like they did with Darth Vader, there is a question about going on and dealing with say what they did during their fall that you kind of, that you have to tell then, especially if it's exceptionally a, a dark fall, like Ben, um, if he had continued on not only dealing with, the death of Han Solo and the the killing of his classmates and the fall of Luke and all the different aspects of his fall for his redemption all the way. He needs to deal with all of those and you have to be able to mellow that to be able to continue the character. Otherwise the best option is obviously redemption and death. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, ultimately I've always had the impression that it, it comes down to choice. You know, it's not like the, the actions can maybe push you along a path, but it, I mean, it's ultimately comes down to, to, to choice because I mean, Vader wasn't redeemed until, in my opinion, until he chose to kill the Emperor and save Luke. Like, that was the moment of his redemption as he made that choice. Um, but Interesting I think that's, that you say that, too. Because, but I think that's okay. also, I think it's also why you have to look at kind of the way Obi-Wan chose to present things to Luke, you know, from the certain point of view, sort of, standpoint was he he told Luke that his dad was dead when his dad was actually Darth Vader but that's because Obi-Wan viewed Vader as a separate person from Anakin Skywalker and just as I think the movies present Ben Solo as a separate person from Kylo Ren um you know, now it gets a little confusing because the only way to separate Revan is you either add or drop the Darth title. Um, but they're, I, I, they've, I think in the movies, they've treated them as separate people. And I think that, I think that's where the distinction comes in. Did, did Anakin Skywalker 
kill the younglings? Well, yes, in the in the broadest sense of the term, Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. Darth Vader is Anakin, but Anakin was always a servant of the light side until he wasn't. And then Darth Vader was a servant of the dark side until he wasn't. And both of those came with choices. You see in the movies, you see Anakin choose to kill Mace Windu or chop off his hand and then the Emperor actually kills him. And then you see him, yes, I will submit to your teaching. And then you see him say, well, I'm not going to let the Emperor deep fry my kid with lightning. I'm going to take him out. Um, You know, and in Rise of Skywalker, you get the best scene of the movie is when Ben is talking to Han Solo, be it his ghost or a memory or whatever. And he throws his lightsaber away. It's a choice. And, you know, I think at that moment when Kylo threw his lightsaber away, he stopped being Kylo Ren and became Ben Solo. Um, But Ben still had to deal with the acts of Kylo, whether or not... For for sure. It was, say, a different person or not. Or dealt with that way. It's only a different person in... I would say the spiritual sense. Um, but I mean, I think, I think those are important distinctions. And I mean, it's, it's exactly the distinction that Obi-Wan tried to portray to us is that, you know, when, when Anakin ceased being a Jedi, he became Darth Vader and the good man that was father, I'm using the exact words from the movie was destroyed. So what I told you, what I told you, Luke, was true from a certain point of view. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 a complicated subject, and it's definitely one that's never going to have a definitive answer. Um, and you know, other than Revan, we don't have an example really of a Jedi trying to reintegrate himself into Jedi society after a redemption, and if I'm remembering what the Revan book said correctly, and I can go back and reread it because I have it. Um, he was never, Revan was never fully trusted or accepted backed by the Jedi. I mean, certainly they, they allowed him to be there and they, they took benefit of his skill and knowledge, but I don't think he was ever fully reaccepted. Right. So, I mean, that put that alone would also put another real complicated twist on the whole redemption factor. Agreed. Um, I do really quick one also, but what you were saying about the whole choice and Darth Vader and Luke and that moment where he, I'm not going to let the Emperor fry my son. Um, Darth Vader had been. I mean, regularly and consistently, rather than killing Luke, he'd been trying to get him to join to join him. I mean, that was a big thing to Vader, like the entire time, the minute he found out that it was his boy. Uh, yeah, you know, he tried to he convinced the Emperor, no, let's convert him. I mean, and then of course you have the tact is does he want him does he want to convert him so they could team up and take out the Emperor? Which he, you know, he said we can rule the galaxy as father and son, you know. Um, was that his actual thought and plan or was that just his way of tempting Luke? It's hard to say because, you know, it obviously didn't turn out that way. Um, but also, I have the, um, 
I have the comic book pages brought Ooh, up where hey. they discuss the red lightsaber blades. So, um, let me let me talk about that real quick. Absolutely. So, basically, the comic it's in Darth Vader number one. Um, I think the 2017 to 2018 series literally starts where Revenge of the Sith left off with Vader. Vader busking out of the surgery chair. Um, he kind of force throws Palpatine. Palpatine puts him down. Um, is like, if you ever attack me again, I'll finish what Obi-Wan started. Then he says, come on, we have work to do. And they, they go out onto the Coruscant streets and you see Vader and Palpatine kind of silhouetted looking at the city. Palpatine goes, do you know why our blades are red, Lord Vader? And Vader goes, no master, the Jedi teachings on this subject complete. Palpatine laughs, um, cuts to a scene of, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, the blue dude with horns that was always with Palpatine. Mm. Uh, so then next panel is Palpatine saying, the fools hid the knowledge they found uncomfortable. They cannot face the darker truths and they paid the price. A red saber is no different than any other except it has been made to bleed. Um, so then we see the cauldron of lightsabers being melted down. Go to a pan next panel with Vader and Palpatine. The crystal from any Jedi saber will do. All you, as you know, the Kybers are alive in their own way. Like any living thing, they can feel pain. The color of your rage. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Scrolling, scrolling. Uh, freedom, none of them understand it. None but you and I. That's Palpatine to Vader. Lightsabers being melted down. Do you understand, Lord Vader? Yes, you could have given me any one of those lightsabers that corrupt even Yoda's. You did not. Um, the saber of a Sith is not given, it is taken. So, uh, cut to uh, Palpatine and Vader flying somewhere. Um, basically, Palpatine sending him to get his lightsaber. You must seek out a Jedi from whom to take a kyber crystal. A, ta a daunting task indeed after our success together in eradicating them from the jet or from the galaxy. However, I have great in your resourcefulness and capacity. Now go, my apprentice. Uh, I brought a vessel for you to use. It appears to have been stolen. Lawless galaxy, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Brace the dark side. Bend it to your will. Your power will become endless. And then we shall rule as one. Blah, blah, blah. Palpatine flies off. Vader um, goes looking for... Uh, a Jedi to take a lightsaber. There we go. Um, finds his ship that Palpatine left for him. Um, kills the people who stole it. This is a long comic book. Vader number one is a 35 page comic book. That oh, wow. is a long comic book. Um, So, okay, that's where it ends with him taking his ship back. Um, so then, yeah, so basically he ends up finding finding a Jedi and defeating him and corrupts his, his kyber crystal. And then he has that saber for a while, but it's not, it's not the saber that we know from the movies. It's, um, he doesn't build that. He takes the crystal out after he corrupts it. He takes the crystal out and builds his own hill much later. Um, 
but he uses that corrupted saber for a while and but yeah then transfers the crystal to his own a hilt of his own design okay so again that's actually and i guess so now because it's in this comic it canon because originally it was said that the red crystals were synthetic that the sith figured out how to build artificial lightsaber crystals because they were cut off from the um from the natural sources being hidden out in the outer rim okay so now it's kind of a little bit angrier and a little bit more hardcore i would say better i kind of like the idea of, of the of the crystals being corrupted agreed i think it's cool i think it's pretty badass and especially you know being told through the lens of darth vader uh, you know, I think that's pretty awesome. Well, and then even, even then, if you go out and you're specifically hunting, like say a specific Jedi to take their crest crystal and corrupt it. I mean, that's in itself a pretty, I mean, crazy story. I mean, that you could tell. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's awesome, and it's 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 good stuff in the comics. Like, it's a pretty epic fight um, with a pretty badass Jedi, um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome stuff. I really, really dig it. Um, you know, Revan. Getting back to Revan, he mm-hmm. had um, he had his Jedi lightsaber, which was purple. Um, I think at the time, his would have been the third known purple blade because we had Mace Windu and we had Anakin Solo, both had purple blade. Uh, I think Mara Jade might have had a purple blade too, but I'm not 100% on it. Um, But yeah, Revan had a purple lightsaber. Um, But then he also became a dual wielder. He dual wielded a red lightsaber alongside his purple. now you don't see the purple one in the games until the MMO. Um, but yeah, kind of interesting that he that he ended up using two, but kept his Jedi color. Um, possibly some symbolism going on there. Well, that was also prior to the obviously making a bleed, so it could be that he just didn't use a synthetic crystal in the other one. Yeah, like he, I mean the whole he had a sentimental reason of, for the purple. The whole subject of where crystals came from has really only started being explored in the in the past little while. Um, there's an episode of the Clone Wars where Yoda takes a bunch of younglings to I think it, I think they say it's Ilum on the show, but I can't remember. But I mean, canically they've started saying that Ilum was the primary source, and then of course. Um, Rogue One had the planet Jeddah was a source of kyber crystals as well. Um, the Fallen Order video game sends you to Ilum to get a new lightsaber crystal at one point. Um, but yeah, I think it's the Clone Wars, and I'm pretty sure they called it Ilum, but yeah, they sent... You see an episode where Yoda takes a bunch of younglings to find their crystal okay. on Ilum and build their lightsabers. 
Hmm. So yeah, the crystal subject is definitely something that was always murky, but now they're kind of trying to flesh it out a little. At and this point. to not only continue that discussion a little bit, um, also the gold lightsaber, which is big that plays at the end of Rise of the Jedi, or, or I mean Rise of Skywalker. Um, you get the gold lightsaber that Ray has, and there's only how many more? There's only been one other gold lightsaber. Well, is it gold or is it yellow? Ooh, good question. Um, because I, like I said, I've only seen the movie once, and I remember it being, I remember it being yellow. In fact, okay, here's an image. It is definitely yellow. Okay. It is Which definitely. Is... I, I would not call it gold. I mean, yellow and gold are fairly similar in shade. Um. I would say it's yellow. If it's yellow, we see yellow a lot. Um, yellow is the color of the Sentinel, um, which, I mean, that was established in the first KOTOR game, is that the color of your lightsaber determined what what part of the Jedi Order you were. Were you a Consular? Were you a Guardian? Uh, or were you a Sentinel? Because Depending on which they're... class you chose, you got that color of lightsaber isn't it also kind of what because i remember in the game when i was playing through like a specific color called to your class kind of thing or something well yeah that's that's just exactly what i said is that the color of your lightsaber determined what position you held right within the jedi consular guardian or sentinel um the clone wars had Jedi Sentinels as like the literal guardians of the Jedi Temple and they all had double-bladed yellow lightsabers, I believe. Um, Bascula used the double-bladed yellow lightsaber in the Old Republic. Um, You know, I I don't know how much of that has been canonized. Any of it has been canonized. Um, To me, it was kind of cool. To me, it kind of made sense. Um, Although looking at like famous green lightsabers, I wouldn't call Luke a consular and he used a green lightsaber. I wouldn't call Qui-Gon a consular and he had a green lightsaber. Yoda, Yoda, I would call a consular. He used a green lightsaber, but I mean, blue is the most common color. Um, I mean, we see a ton of blue lightsabers throughout various sources of Star Wars. I... I will be curious to see how they explain that going forward, you know? Yeah, I mean, now, and if it turns out, if they say that Ray's lightsaber is, in fact, gold, and it's a new color, cool. Um, Maybe it'll explain where she got the crystal, Um, because, I mean, obviously, she didn't take the crystal from any known existing lightsaber, and... There's theories going around that Star Killer Base from The Force Awakens was actually built on Ilum. Um, you know, because as we apparently found out in Rogue One, you know, the Darth or the Death Star weapon is powered by Kyber crystals. Although they said in, in Force Awakens that the planet or the, the weapon was powered by the sun, but maybe they powered the sun focusing it through Kyber crystals on Ilum. So, I mean, I don't know. That was just a fan theory that I heard that Ilum was actually Starkiller-based. But, 
I mean, who knows? Maybe a little, maybe a little show in a comic book how Ray got her her new lightsaber. I I would be interested to find out. I mean, well, we know we know the hilt is her staff, the staff that we see her carry throughout all the movies. She makes her own lightsaber from that. Although it's interesting that as a as a person who used a staff forever, um, she made a single bladed lightsaber. I mean, to me, she would have been the perfect Jedi to to throw a double bladed saber onto. Which again, we saw in the concept art of Colin uh, Trevorrow's um, Duel of the Fates. It's uh, supposed to be double. Art. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, well, it's definitely, if it's double, they only chose to show a single. But it it looks fairly small, so I doubt it's a double. Now I do, I mean, because um, Fallen Order is canon, and what I did notice about that is obviously um, the ability to make a double bladed lightsaber out of a single bladed, <coughs> excuse me, is there. Um, so there's a question whether or not they'll adapt that kind of part of lightsaber technology to the movies from the game. But you go from having, or the ability to have the single blade to having the double blade. Right. Which, I mean, you saw that with Darth Maul in the Phantom Menace. The first time he, he fights Qui-Gon he comes riding up on his speeder bike and pulls his double-bladed saber out, but only activates one. And he thinks he's just got a really long-hilted single-bladed saber. It's not until the final battle that you see the double blade. Um, XR Kuhn had a double-bladed saber they showed in the comic books. That was the first time a double-bladed saber had ever shown up. Um, you know, I didn't like the double-bladed thing in The Fallen Order because... Um, basically I just didn't like how it was seemed like it was like you tacked on like just tacked an emitter onto the other end of your handle and like you didn't you don't lengthen it Um, I would have rather it had been a separate weapon than a conversion Um, because I never used it hardly at all in fact I just stuck with the single blade Um, I found it to be much more effective in the fallen order um playing in some of the harder difficulties i find that when i'm facing a huge amount of blaster fire i really like the double blade um, yeah and also the, and the, and the for tree definitely the skill trees for the lightsaber definitely reflect that the double blade can help you deflect a lot more blaster fire and aoe too if you're surrounded it's uh, great use that way um, but when you get to single combat or even just a couple um, sing- I found the single is so much better but yeah it's like um, it really play style is another huge one for that yeah but I mean I didn't find that the Fallen Order gave you an incredibly distinct play style with the double blade um uh, to me, it was one of the one of the more poorly handled aspects of the game. Um, but now all this talk of double bladed sabers has brought me uh, brought something to my mind here. Um, in the book that I mentioned briefly, um, Darth Bane: Path of Destruction, 
uh, one of his Sith instructors, one of his Sith lightsaber instructors, in fact, like the best lightsaber duelist among the Sith, um, used a double-bladed saber. And then when Revan was on the Rakata homeworld, uh, that master came to basically say, you're coming back to the Sith with me or I'm going to kill you. And so they ended up fighting and, and Revan, uh, I'm sorry, Bane stalemated him. And that master then basically twisted his double-bladed saber handle and it separated into two individual sabers which was not a style that was commonly used by anybody then at that point, because it was almost the death of Revan or of Bane. Jesus, I'm tired. Um, (laughs) And it was only through basically the biggest force shove you've ever read that Bane was able to defeat him. He collapsed the the temple on top of him, killing him. Um, But yeah, so apparently there's that style of, saber as well which i think they didn't they incorporate that into one of the advanced moves where you could split the sabers i want to say yeah i I, yeah i haven't got there yet but yeah and i want to say that i'm trying to remember where it was but i want to say i had seen the what you're talking about with the split sabers i I remember watching that. I don't know if it was a video game cutscene or it was what it was um but yeah, i remember no, you can watching def- you could definitely split the sabers. you could definitely split the sabers now that i'm thinking about it it's it's higher up in the trees like you don't get it until very late in the game mm-hmm. but it's like um it's like a finishing move sort of deal where like you know at the end of a combo you could split the sabers um but i i mean i kind of wish they would have let you have the split sabers as a combat style agreed um, Oh, that would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, because you could, in the Knights of the Old Republic game, um, you could do that. Um, And one of the classes in the MMO can do that as well. Um, But yeah, in in Kotar 1 and 2, that was something you could have a single saber, and then there were skill trees where you could spec into single saber, or you could do you could do a double bladed saber or you could do um dual wield and then there was different talents you can put points into to make make whatever your choice was better such a great fucking game god damn yeah no epic epic masterpieces of game now granted today they look a little bit dated i know some people aren't giant fans of the d20 combat style that those games had and some people are hoping that gets updated to more of an interactive button mashing you control the swinging and the defense and whatnot um, i have a feeling that if you look at because isn't square enix ea um they just are relaunching final fantasy 7 right and they're using more of that live battles kind of simulator style or whatever it is called yeah yeah i think it's going to be more of um more of a you have a a manual attack and then you probably have your special moves mapped to different buttons yeah so they're making it more action as opposed to rpg because i mean that's ultimately what it is stylistic difference between how rpg games done and how action games were done Mm -hmm. 
So it will be definitely interesting to see. Such an exciting, exciting bit. And again, Revan, so awesome. Love. Oh, and speaking of Revan, another. We mentioned it before, but Revan keeps coming up because I really feel like you said he's a, you know, he was the strongest to you, the strongest force wielder. Um, I just think he was hugely influential even in the EU. Um, they made him like a really uh, potent character that you can't miss. And so you got to bring him into canon. Um, and I really want to see Keanu Reeves. Dude. Yeah, if, it would be cool if they bring him into live action. If they if they if they get John Wick himself, Shane Falco. <laughs> I know. Do you remember what movie he was Shane Falco in? Oh, god damn! Yes. What was it? Oh, five, four, three, two, one. The replacements. Yes. The movie about the pro football strike where he was a college player that got brought back to quarterback. Yes, I love that movie. Yes, I do too. It's one. It's honestly like I actually. It's Keanu one of my top favorite. favorite football movies. Period. Well, it's it's honestly my favorite Keanu movie. I mean, part of that is sentimental at this point, but um, yeah, it's honestly my favorite Keanu movie. And um, coincidentally enough. John Favreau was in that movie. There we go. John Favreau played a SWAT team officer who got recruited to be like a linebacker on Keanu Reeves' team. And he was uh, hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> he was, dude. Yeah, he oh. was really funny. Um, God, great movie. Great but yeah, movie. so I mean, I don't... But now there's a part of me wondering if they're remaking these games, if we are actually going to get a live-action revenue. Good question. Yeah, that, I mean, do I need a live-action Revan? I would like one, as long as they can make it. I don't want to have to, I would hate to have to choose between getting a live-action movie Revan or getting these amazing games remade. I would prefer the amazing games to be remade. Agreed. I was going to say games all the way, even if they use fucking Keanu as a live action model or whatever for the games or, which they could certainly do and give me, you know, put him in the games and whatever. And then if, since obviously they're going to make him canon, they don't necessarily have to follow the paths um, with how he met his end. So they could definitely go with him for a long, long ways. Um, And as we can see, Keanu's really, He's willing to lend himself to games. He's going to be in the um, the upcoming but now delayed Cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they revealed that at E3 last year. Um, brought him out on stage, you know, and in the famous, you know, you're beautiful, that he yelled at whoever from the crowd yelled that he was beautiful to him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, not even just his voice, but his actual image. Like, he's, it's actually Keanu. Like, there's no mistaking him. He's in the game fully, so um, they could definitely, there's no reason not to. If they decide to go the live action slash video game route to use his image for both, why not? Right. So, anyway, um, do you, you can you think of any more, any further down the rabbit hole we need to take these people tonight? Or Oh, no, no. I think we've beaten them over the head with all of this stuff enough. Um, 
you, you know, I mean, like as I said at the start of this, Revan is my favorite. Um, I think what I think what makes him the most powerful, though, and the most unique, since you brought up the most powerful thing again a second ago, mm-hmm. um, was just ultimately his ability to draw from the complete force. Like, he wasn't just dependent on the light side. He wasn't just dependent on the dark. He could use both. Um which is something we've never really seen. And I um, think that speaks a huge amount to his fall and redemption. I mean, but yeah, but even even as a redeemed Jedi, he was still using what we would call dark side powers. He was using force lightning. Um, True. He still had all those abilities, which, I mean, comes down to we could have a whole series of shows talking about our theories on the force and whether powers are good and evil or if it's the intent of the action, because there, I mean, there, there was one of the old source books talked about the Jedi having a power called elect judgment, which was basically force lightning, but not lethal force lightning. It was just meant to incapacitate and knock people out. Um, And it's a good, it's a good point you bring up because I mean, even like uh, Mandalorian kind of touches on that with uh, baby Yoda and how baby Yoda uses force choke. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was pissed. Yeah. I mean, mean, but that was the thing is he was pissed. That looked like it was coming from a place of anger or, or he maybe not anger, but he was, he thought he needed to defend and protect or whatever. And protect. But he definitely looked pissed while he was doing it. Exactly. And so where it comes from is, I mean, it it will be an interesting, they're going to have to describe it and explain it in some degree just for continuity's sake. If they don't do it, then we're, that's dumb. Yeah, well, you know what, though? In Favreau, we trust. So mm-hmm. I, I have faith. But... I completely agree. Revan is definitely one of the best characters and that whole arc of everything that he can use. And I think the other part is, at least in my experiences with the character, character, it's like he continued to expand his abilities with the Force. So his powers were truly like what you're talking about is what's your will of use? Yeah, yeah. Um, God, he was great. God, he was really great. Um, you can go online. Like, YouTube has got all of the cinematics and everything that you could. If you wanted to watch a bunch of that stuff, you could, and you definitely could um, go and check out. I mean, you could probably even find the gameplay of the mission dealing with him, especially when it comes to the, the MMO. Um but you know, I mean, we we talked about Revan without really managing to talk about uh, the supporting cast of character that uh, surrounded him during all of these adventures because they were all freaking great too. And um, I definitely, I think that's definitely one we should we should get to because I mean, you're right; they were great characters, and I guess also going forward is. Dependent if it's a sequel, if it's a remaster, rework, um, those character stories, the question is how much are we going to see some of those, because old characters, because they were, I mean, good stories. 
Yeah, I mean, Cartho Nasty, I didn't really care for him a whole lot in the games. Um, but characters like, say, Candorous Ordo, who was a Mandalorian bounty hunter, who actually became Mandal- the Mandalore, um, and he joined your party in Knights of the Republic 2, so you got to use him in both games. Um, but he became Mandalore. Uh, he was fucking awesome. And I think with the popularity of the Mandalorian, I think they will not hesitate to show Mandalorians at every chance they get. Um, Basila was awesome. Uh, you know, you had... You know, you had your Wookiee companion and your Twilight companion. HK-47 was fucking incredible. Uh, he actually might have been the coolest character in KOTOR 1. Best dialogue. Um, certainly the funniest, yeah. His dialogue was amazing. Um, you know, some of the characters, I, I think, you know, you don't necessarily need to touch. Um, you know, and then the cast of characters you got in KOTOR 2, uh, most of them were great. Um, and the cool part about the characters in KOTOR 2 was depending on your conversations with them and depending on whether you were going light or dark side, you could actually train the majority of your companion to become Jedi or Sith mm-hmm. um, of various classes. And, of course, a couple of them already are um, than the ones that aren't. Like, you could, you could literally just make these guys, like, you teach them how to open themselves up to the Force and they can all become Jedi. Um, which I thought was a really cool touch. Um, loved that story. I did love that twist. It was it was perfect. It really made <clears throat> their kind of reward for moving down the character brand or the side stories. Yeah, yeah. It definitely gave you a much more of an incentive to go and talk to everybody. Like if more than if just the go- relationship part. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you didn't have the chat in KOTOR 2, if you don't go and have every possible conversation down every possible branch with every possible character, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, now, of course, also depending on some of it with some characters, I think you could actually screw it up depending on your dialogue choice. And your um, uh, what side of the force you were on, which well, also that- affected your char- the, your companions. Yes, it did. But also, what side of the Force you were on is affected on whether you became a, a Sith or a Jedi. Um, but even that doesn't doesn't matter so much because the the whole of the Force is open to you in the game. Mm-hmm. In KOTOR 2, you could pick, like, you had full access to whatever powers you wanted to put points into and unlock. You could put powers. You could get Force Lightning as a Jedi. You know, you could get Force Choke as a Jedi. Like, it didn't matter. Um, of course, but then there was dialogue scenes where you had the option to use a force power in the dialogue scene. So like you could get a quote unquote dark side point because that's how they did it was dark side and light side points. Um, and you had a meter that went up and down and it changed your physical appearance. You know, if you were going too dark, you started getting pale and pasty and veiny and, you know, kind of Sith looking, um, I loved how they carried it on into the MMO. I was straight up like my Jedi character that I made was straight up a dark Jedi, dude. Oh, yeah, that was fun. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it was the same studio. It was Bioware behind them all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they they knew they knew what they did in the first game and the second game. They knew what worked and what worked well and what fans responded to. So they carried it on. Those were good. They were just great games and introduced so many great characters. Yeah, and let's hope we see them again. Let's hope that this remaster rumor is true. Oh, um, I got everything crossed. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know how badly I wanted that because I mean, like those are the best Star Wars games ever made, and among my favorite games of all time. I can and, say after Fallen Order, I wanted it like immediately. Yeah, well, I mean, I have both those games on my Xbox. I've got the first Knights of the Republic on my iPhone. Um, I've got them on my PC. Like, I have access to them. So, like, to me, it's not that, like, I can pick them up and play um, at any point that I want. But, yeah, like, this this whole thought of remaster, I see, I thought, here's what I thought. I thought they would have done it already. Like, if they were going to do it, if they were going to bring those games forward, I would have thought they would have done it already. And they would have just been remastered. But now this whole, let's revisit the IP and let's bring it up to modern standards and let's maybe rework the stories and integrate the two games. Like, that's something that, you know, maybe I would thought about but hadn't thought about in a while. And then, yeah, now it's all I want. And I'll be sad if it doesn't happen. Absolutely. And I think it's timing-wise, what a great time to do it as they've kind of figured out um, some kind of... I don't want to say ultimate strategy, but with Fallen Order, that's kind of side of everything with letting the Skywalker dust settle. Um, What a great time for a reintroduction to, say, characters that they could again use um, in movies or shows or whatever um, to do it with secondary platforms such as video games or comic books, novels, whatever. Um, but in this sense, it's a great way to reintroduce a huge amount of um, information into some of us that are, again, into the hard, more hardcore aspects of the canon and the story um, that you get a little bit of this in advance of the films if you pay attention. Oh, yeah, completely. But And then you also, I mean, unintentionally there with just one of your words brought up another issue is time. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if this rumor turns out to be true, how long are we waiting? Are we, are they just an initial phase of talking about development or maybe is this something they've been working on for a while and now it's just now leaking out? Ooh. Um, Gonna have to keep I'm, our ears open. Eyes I am really, really hoping we get some sort of official either confirmation or denial in the near future because I don't want this to be one of those rumors that is perpetuated and lives on is that, well, we heard this a month ago, what's going on, say something, and then nothing is said, and then nothing is said. I, you know, I want solid information. We and have no we contacts, but damn it, yeah. I am going to see if I can't email customer service or someone at EA and say, you know, we're doing a podcast, and I want, I want to know, what's the story? Can you tell us? And we'll see what I, we, we get. Maybe we something, right? 
we could certainly tweet at them. Um, I mean, with a we'll company the this, size of EA, it's probably the equivalent of shouting in a hurricane. But I let's mean, shout. Let's shout. Let's find out. Let's let's throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. All right. Well, then at this point in time, I think we're just beating around to say how cool Revan is constantly. Um, unless there's something more you'd like to throw out these guys, I'd say this has been an absolutely productive and wonderful conversation about Revan and you know what maybe to expect. God, we can only hope. But yeah, I mean, I. Well, I can talk about Revan for, for a long time and having this talk about Revan, I kind of want to go and pick up that book again and reread it to try to remind myself of some of the stuff maybe I forgot. Um, so excited about Revan because of this news. And actually, this might not even be a coincidence now that all of this is coming up. So I was at a GameStop today. Um, my my brother got me a, a GameStop gift card for Christmas, and I finally got around to doing something with it today. Um, but the behind the counter, they had this big poster on the wall of a bunch of images of stuff that you could pre-order, stuff that was coming out. And among the things that was coming out is a Star Wars The Black Series Revan figure, which is the second one that they've done. Now... Could that just be a coincidence with this rumor being announced? Or is it they're like, hey, we're doing something with Revan. Let's get a toy ready to go for, you know. I mean, the toy comes out in like April or something like that. But, I mean, maybe. You know my maybe. opinion about Disney. You know mean, my opinion that it's all connected. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know how involved in the toys disney is i'm wondering if that's just you know an ea slash hasbro thing but the fact that there's a new revan toy coming out now granted armor looked to be one of the armor sets he wore in the old republic game uh the mmo like for the the shadow of revan expansion that they did it looked like his redeemed jedi armor sort of thing um but i mean it just seemed a little coincidental that we have this rumor floating around and then there's a toy coming out down the line like I said, um, I'm I'm under the impression it's all connected. Even if the toy isn't connected to per se Disney, the fact that the toy might be connected to the game company that's going to be releasing the company that is attached to Disney, they're pushing kind of the nostalgia uh, aspect and to remind people so when their game does come out, they have already kind of an intro into the market. Um, I mean, in my mind, they look at all these things. Um, you go in any advertising 101 class or marketing 101, and they discuss all these strategies. How to basically influence sales with light release, uh, if you have uh, <clears throat> multiple product, all that different crap. Um, so dependent on how involved certain companies are in that marketing i mean i would tell you that one kind of cascades into the other kind of cascades into the other and i just would say that is a clear indication that somebody's trying to bring up the conversation of revan again and with all these others floating around i think that at 
the least, at the very least, to expect something in the form of canon about Ren and Revan more than the Legion stuff. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I, I just, I just connected the dots between the news and seeing that toy up for pre-order um, as possibly being more than just a coincidence. Because that's what I thought when I looked at it. I said, "Well, that's kind of a coincidence that there's this revenue floating around, and now they've got this toy advertised for pre-order." Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. It's a good notice, and I think, um, I think that just adds a little bit of a little bit of fuel to our fire that um, especially it being a GameStop and those kind of things, if it is tied to um, who was releasing the game, is it EA or? Uh, well, EA is the public will be the publisher. Okay. Um, but I think that's just because I believe EA owns Bioware. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think that would be where the tie is. Um, but I thought EA had lost publishing, like future publishing rights to Star Wars, but maybe they didn't. Um, uh, right, it, we'll have to find out. We'll find. We will find out. Would have maybe they would have if Fallen Order tanked, because um, I know people were fairly unhappy when Battlefront Two launched. Although the game is much better now than it was at release. I mean, to the point that like publications have gone back and re-reviewed the game with the current state of the game uh in contrast to what it was when it launched and no now modern reviews or current reviews are much more positive um so maybe they were on thin ice but uh, they pulled it out yeah i'm pretty sure ea owns bioware now okay um but yeah, I mean that can't it just can't be a coincidence that there's this Revan toy coming out and this news is dropping roughly around the same time that this toy is up for pre order. I think it's um, a good observation on your point. Yeah, your it's gotta it's gotta be connected. So Agreed. and for the record, I pre ordered the toy. Good call. Yeah, because so. it looked it looked cool. I saw a nice color image. It's a white robe, purple lightsaber, full armor, mask, whole nine yards. Um also, cool. and my my lovely wife was standing there with me because you know she was wrangling our three year old. Um, <laughs> but right next to the Revan toy, they had an advertisement for you could pre order the ten inch, basically life size Funko Pop of Baby Yoda. So I pre ordered that as well um, at her request for her because she loves Baby Yoda. I think as much as she loves me, it's not possibly more because you know, Baby Yoda is cuter than I am. You know, uh, we could argue about that. I think you're pretty cute there, big guy. I don't know, dude. Baby Yoda's But Baby Yoda too. has, he's got charm about him that, you know, that innocence. You don't you don't have the innocence. I you, definitely don't. don't. I definitely don't. No. But I appreciate that everybody joined us on this trip. Um, you guys, I... I can't think of anything else I have to add. If my colleague Buddy does, then I'll let him go at it. Otherwise, this might yeah, be no, I got, the end. I got, I got nothing. You can, you can, you can take us on out. Well then, folks, I think the simplest way to put it is, we have spoken. <laughs>